Good morning. I'm hoping my voice stays with us for a little while longer. We're in John chapter 8, guys. Go to John chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Jews answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I'm going to stop there because as I was reading through this, that's where the Holy Spirit stopped me because two things had jumped out and struck me at that moment. The first, you might have noticed how I emphasized it when I read it, was what the Jews said. We are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone. Now, wait a minute. Come on. We've taken Old Testament survey, at least a lot of us have, and hopefully we remember, you know, there was this little part about Egypt. Do you remember that? When they were enslaved for like a really long time, and God brought them out, and there was the whole Red Sea parting thing, and we even have movies about it. What are they saying now? Okay, these exact Jews, they were never enslaved. But when they make the claim, we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone, you're wondering what they're thinking. And then there's Jesus' follow-up. And he doesn't take the time to correct them and take them back to Old Testament survey. Instead, he refocuses them on what he wants them to know. And this is the other thing that struck me. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, this is not the only time that the Bible talks about our sin and our sinfulness as enslavement. And I just started thinking, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Jesus, what are you wanting us to understand there? And those two ideas, those two thoughts collided in my mind the way often happens when we read the word. And I went back to Exodus. And I looked to see, is there anything about the Israelite enslavement in Egypt that might help us understand what we're supposed to know about what enslavement to sin looks like. I think I found a few things. The first thing I want to tell us about slavery this morning is that slavery takes 
more and more, and it gives less and less. Do you remember this part? Back in Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron have come as God's messengers to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they say, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who? I don't know who the Lord is. I'm not going to let you go. Get back to work. And then he turns to his slave masters, Pharaoh does, and says in chapter 5, verse 7, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. Sin takes more and more, and it gives less and less. We know that physiologically that's true about substance abuse. What it took, you know, to get that feeling, that high, whatever it was at the beginning, after a while, you just don't get that. And you need more and more and more just to get get back to that, that feeling and then after a while you just, you just have to have it and you don't even get what you thought you were getting at the beginning. That's true in some way or another of all of our sin. Whatever it was that we thought what we wanted ultimately does not fulfill. Sin is a feed the beast reality. And the beast is insatiable. And the beast doesn't care about me. Second thing about, about slavery. Slavery tells me what I am and how to see myself. Right after Pharaoh tells them, don't give them any more straw, he says this. They are lazy that's why they're asking to, for us to let them go. Make them work harder so they keep working and pay no attention to lies. That's what slavery says. The lies God tells us is what slavery is saying there. Later, the Israelites have come to Pharaoh after they've been trying to do this. And they say, why are you doing this to us? This is impossible to make bricks without straw. And Pharaoh answers in chapter 5, verse 17, lazy. That's what you are, lazy. Get back to work. Sin puts a narrative in my head. And at first, that narrative might be about how I can justify my sin. Well, why, you know, it's kind of okay to do this. Or... At first, the narrative might be about, well, you know, look around at them. Their sins are worse than mine. But after a while, the narrative of sin becomes, my sin is who I am. And it's all I'll ever be. And even if I think I might want to get away from it, God wouldn't take me. And the church really wouldn't take me. Third thing, slavery convinces me that it 
is goodness, that it is what I should desire. In the first six, eight chapters of Exodus, Israelite slavery is described with a whole bunch of words. Let me read a few of them to you. It's called ruthless, bitter, a yoke weighing them down, misery, suffering, oppression, oppression, oppression. The Bible actually uses multiple words for oppression to describe Israelite slavery, and it produces in them groaning and crying out. That's what they lived. And yet sin really wants to convince me that it is goodness. And so what we see after the Israelites have come out of slavery, they say a whole bunch of times, man, back in Egypt, back in Egypt, and you know, you know what they pull out? They say things like, back in Egypt, you know, we had fish and pomegranates. Really? Fish and pomegranates? Ruthless, miserable oppression. And you want to go back for fish? wouldn't be surprised right now if somebody sitting here has a voice in their head saying, oh, no, wait, wait a minute. You know you don't want to get too serious about this Jesus stuff because you're going to have to give up. And there it is. That's the lie of slavery. And we buy it. We take the bait hook, line, and sinker. We begin, sin begins to tell us that it's the goodness that we don't want to give up. When in reality, it's ruthless, miserable oppression. The last thing about slavery is that slavery works really hard to keep me from hearing the truth. So Pharaoh has said to the Israelites, lazy, that's all you are, it's lazy, get back to work. And they go back to Moses and Aaron and they say, you have put the sword in their hands to kill us. And Moses goes to God and says, God, this isn't working. This is totally backfiring. What are you doing, God? And God says, go and tell them who I am. Tell them who I have been to their ancestors and tell them that I haven't forgotten them. Tell them, chapter 6, verse 7, verse 6, I will bring you out from Egypt. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you. I will pay the price. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Relationship. 
Go tell them, Moses. And so in chapter 6, verse 9, Moses does. Moses reported this to the Israelites. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and because of their harsh labor. You see, sin has both of those things. It has that harsh labor, that physical reality, that that sin takes my time and my mental energy. And when I have a moment, when I'm sitting in chapel or class or something and my mind starts to wander, it starts to go to my sin. And sin takes all of that. But sin also has an emotional reality. They didn't listen because of their discouragement, their despondency. Sin works hard to convince me that God doesn't see, he doesn't know, and he doesn't care. And that's how sin keeps me enslaved. Guys, enslavement to sin is our fallen reality apart from Jesus Christ. And even if we have taken the step from death into life, sin is going to continue to work hard to make that life that I experience in Christ as meager as possible. But I'm really glad that in John chapter 8, Jesus didn't stop by telling us our fallen reality. Jesus came to give us the truth. I might call it our real reality. Because Jesus says, yes, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But then what does he go on to say in verse 35? Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Who's the son? Right? Jesus. And we often think, Jesus can set me free because he's God. Jesus sets me free from my sin because he's God. And that's only partially true. I want you to think about this differently this morning. I want you to see that Jesus can set you free from your life of sin because Jesus lived as a human, a life free from the slavery of sin. Jesus did what Eve and Adam couldn't do, didn't do. He didn't take the bait. He didn't fall to Satan's temptations, though they came at him, not just once, not just one time in the wilderness, but all the time people were constantly throwing power and prestige and all of these things at Jesus trying to tempt him. But he didn't. 
When Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, what he's saying is, I can set you free because I've done what you can't do. I've lived free. Remember, slavery tries to convince me that God doesn't see, he doesn't know, he doesn't care. Guys, guys, God went so far beyond seeing and knowing God cared so much, he came down and lived it and experienced it to show you the life you could live. Jesus didn't just die for us to free me from death, the consequences of sin. Jesus lived for us. To show us the life that humanity was created to live free from sin. No, guys, we're not going to live it like Jesus lived it because we were born in sin and we've lived into sin. But the point that Jesus wants you to see here is he's the son. He's the son who's lived free and so he can step into your slavery and bring you out of it to become a son and a daughter in the house alongside him. He wants you to live free from sin's demands on your life, feed the beast. He wants you to live free from sin's defining of you. He wants you to live free from sin's lies that it's worth staying in it for the little bit that you get. How? How does that even happen? Remember, it's not my work, it's God's work. But I have some things I can do. The first thing is we have to bring our sin out of the darkness where it lives and thrives and into the light. At the beginning of this, near the beginning of this chapter, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He will have the light of life. Guys, we have to confess our sins to God. We have to bring it out of the darkness where it lives and bring it into the light. And then we need to confess it to someone, someone mature in the faith who can walk with you on this journey into and in freedom in full life. The second thing is that we have to walk away from our identity in sin and walk into our identity in Christ. Jesus lived as a human, alive, free from sin. And this is where we all think, well, yeah, well, he did that though because he was God. Again, I want to push back on that. Jesus makes lots of claims about himself that we often look at about claims about his divinity in the book of John. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you really knew the Father, you'd know me. But I think that tells us something about Jesus in his humanity. Jesus lived a human life free from sin because his human identity was holy 
completely wrapped up in God the Father. That's the key to the life of freedom. At the end of this chapter, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Going back to Exodus, the name God says of himself, I am who I am. But guys, you find who you truly are in the I am. He wants to give you the identity, not that slavery gives you, this is who you are, this is what you're going to be. No. Jesus wants to give you the identity that he created you to have. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. Not just because he knows everything about who I am in my sin, but because he knows everything about who he made me to be. Are you thirsty? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be free? These are the questions we've been asking you all semester. We're going to listen to a song right now. You can stand. You can sit. You can come to this altar and pray. But whatever you do, guys, don't leave today a slave. Don't believe the lies. Hear the truth. The sun is here. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed.